Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at AntiochChurch.org. Thanks for listening. So we are in uh, the book of James and beginning a series, right? And last week, Pete kicked it off with uh, the first half of chapter one. And much of the conversation was rooted in this idea of the way that we encounter tests and trials in the world, right? And where we landed was that we ought to receive tests and trials as pure joy, right? Tests and trials are pure joy in our lives, which... If you're anything like me, you're like, that sounds amazing. I would love to be able to receive tests and trials as pure joy. And Pete encouraged us that what James is trying to say here is that tests and trials are joyful because these are invitations from God to be formed toward the good, right? To be formed into a Christ likeness. And so as we go through this life encountering tests and trials, we recognize them as good, as invitations to be formed into Christ. And that ought to bring joy into our lives. And I walked away last week feeling incredibly encouraged. Like, man, I can face the trials and the tests and the temptations and everything that comes my way because it's considered joy. I can be happy in the face of pain and suffering. And then I quickly went, wait a minute. He didn't say anything about how to do that. So recently I was in a coffee shop and uh, I was looking at the bulletin board, right, with all of the posters of all the things and activities and uh, work that we can find in Bend, right? And one poster in particular caught my eye. It was bright orange. It's from the Bend Joy Project, which I think is beautiful, right? Anybody in this world that's trying to help us see and experience joy, I commend them. I love that. And on this poster, it just said in big, bold letters, it said, generate joy. And then gave us a list of ways that we can do that. And it was really good. And I'm reading that and I'm going, yes, generate joy. Man, so beautiful. I'm going to do that. And then I quickly thought, wait a minute. In the midst of trials and tests is when I'm usually at my weakest. It's usually when I'm the most vulnerable, the most broken, the most hurting, the most scared. In that situation, how in the world am I supposed to generate joy? Right, and we have sayings that that go along with that, right? Like if you just summon the strength to do that, right? If you just muster up the courage in the face of the trial or the obstacle. And I'm going, yeah, I don't know about you, but me in the face of trials, pain, suffering, or potential massive responsibility, I don't wanna generate or muster anything. I want someone to come alongside me and go, Evan, you got this, man. You can do this. I want someone to come alongside and give me a big old huge heaping portion of joy and peace. Anyone else? I don't have it in me to generate joy. And so for me, uh, this morning's text is incredibly important because this morning what James is trying to tell us, I believe, is this is the how-to. I want to receive trials and tests as pure joy, but how do I do that? And James this morning is telling us how to do that. In verse 19, it reads, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I don't know how many times my mom told me this as a child growing up, and I always went, that sounds great. How do I do that? (laughs) 
<laughs> Anyone else? A couple of things I want to point out real quick. James, as the author of this, how does he open this? He says, my dear brothers and sisters, apparently he cares deeply about these people and about their well-being. My dear brothers and sisters, he's invested in them. He cares about them. The next thing he says is take note of this. Today we might translate that as pay attention. This is the nugget. This is the key right here. I'm going to tell you. And he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So what's the context here? Where do we listen, speak, and become angry more often than not? Conversations, right? If we're listening, it means someone else is talking. And if we're speaking, it means hopefully someone else is listening. And if we're getting angry, it's usually because of something that somebody said, right? We're talking about a conversation this morning. And James apparently is saying that to be a follower of Jesus is to be a good listener. Apparently, radical Christianity looks like being a really good listener. And so for me, I've summed that up this morning by just, and this is just my personal opinion, but these four things are what's important to me in a conversation. The first is that a good listener actually invites people into conversation. They're actually looking for people to talk to in the world, and they give them permission by, by engaging them in conversation, right? The second thing. A good listener asks thoughtful questions. There's always a follow-up. And if they're actually listening, it has something to do with something I said. So they're, they're not just giving me permission to talk now. Now they're drawing me out and inviting me to tell more of my story. Third, a good listener puts their agenda aside. Right? They're not trying to impress me. They're not trying to entertain me. And they're not trying to one-up me. Anyone else guilty of that? I always have that story in the back of my head that I just want to one-up, right? But a good listener doesn't do that. They put their agenda to the side, and they open themselves up to receiving the conversation. And the last one, a good listener doesn't look for an exit strategy. I hear a few giggles out there. Anyone else? Yeah. Right? That like, oh, I really don't want to be in conversation right now. We're looking at the watch. We're pulling out our phone, checking our texts. We're looking for a friend that can rescue us out of the conversation, Right? Anyone else? Have we been there? We've all been there. Okay. Um, my question this morning is, what if this were true? What if we were these kinds of people in the world as we're going about our daily lives? What if we were people that were known for intentionally engaging in conversation, for seeking out interactions with other people? What if we were known as people who we're actually a blessing to talk to. Because when people leave conversations with us, they walk away feeling heard, feeling encouraged, affirmed, known. What if we were the kind of people who didn't try to impress or entertain or one-up? What if we were the kind of people that just were open to receiving? Tell me your story. I don't have an agenda. You are my focus. What if, we weren't the, what if we were the kind of people who weren't looking for an exit strategy, who weren't so busy, so distracted, so engaged with our lives that we actually were willing to sit and be present in a conversation? 
Personally, I think it would be radical. I think it would be transformational. And honestly, some of us are good listeners. And if that's you here this morning, then I applaud you, number one. Number two, um, see this morning as a bit of a review, right? Just a quick refresher. And then number three, I would say, teach us how to do that. But if you're the kind of person that loves conversations and you ask thoughtful questions in your present, man, teach us how to do that. Hand that stuff down because we need it desperately. The second category is if you're not a good listener, and I'll put myself in that category. Anyone else out there? We're all good listeners? All right, we're done then. <laughs> Honestly, my question this morning is, uh, how do we listen, right? In the modern era, 2019, Bend, Oregon, what kind of listeners are we? Well, there's a couple of things that we can look at to, to maybe figure that out, to tease that out a little bit. The first I would say is, what is it that we're listening to? One of the most common things we listen to these days is music, right? We got Spotify, we got Pandora, we got Apple Music, we got XM Radio, we got a thousand things to listen to. This here's a, this is a personal playlist of mine, songs for twos. I'm gonna get real vulnerable right now. Enneagram speak, uh, I'm a helper, which means I know how all of you feel and I have no idea how I feel. So I've curated a list of songs that help me feel, which means I just ball at my computer. It's really awkward. But um, if you need a good cry, look up songs for twos on Spotify. Um, but we listen to music, right? Constantly, everywhere we go. And there's so much of it and it's so accessible, right? We no longer have to collect it and pay for it. Maybe a small monthly subscription, but we now have massive collections of music at our fingertips. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. Second, podcasts. Any podcast fans? Yes. I love podcasts. I don't even listen to the radio anymore. I just drive around and I actually like try to find excuses. Like what errand can I run so I can keep listening to my podcast, right? Anybody else do that? Just me. Okay. Um, a couple of my favorite podcasts, and this is a bit of a shameless plug this morning, but the first one, uh, a doctor's pharmacy, Mark Hyman. This guy's brilliant, man. He's engaging a conversation around what does it mean to uh, talk about our health and our food and the stewardship of all that goes into that. I love food. So he's my man, doctor's pharmacy. The second one I love a lot, shameless plug, Malcolm Gladwell, revisionist history. This guy's brilliant. He's looking back at things that have happened in history and he's kind of trying to take a fresh perspective, a fresh look and asking some really uh, challenging questions about things that we've kind of taken for granted or received over the years. It's beautiful, I love it. But podcasts are things that we listen to constantly, right? They're the new TED Talk. You don't have to sit in front of a screen and watch it. You can listen to it on the go. Information is always accessible. The third category of what we listen to Everybody's got it in their pocket, right? Maybe in their hand. Our phones, right? We spend most of our days listening to our phones. Most of our music's on our phones. Most of us access our podcasts on our phones. And then the beautiful thing about phones is that they give us the ability to engage in conversation anywhere, at any time, and with anyone. The touch of a button, you can be in conversation. It's beautiful, right? 
We listen to our phones, and they keep making it easier and easier. Now they have these apps, right? Marco Polo and Snapchat and voice text, and you can just send conversational thoughts out into the world constantly and then receive them at your leisure. It's beautiful. So the next question, what do we listen to? When do we listen to things? Reality for most of us is probably pretty close to 24-7. Right? We listen to music at home. We listen to podcasts in the car, at the gym, at our jobs. Right? I got a good buddy who's like, dude, my job is so easy, it's mindless. I'm just cruising along so I can just listen to podcasts and audible books, and it's amazing. And he's learning while he's working. Hopefully he's not building airplanes or anything. But he's able to learn and work. It's beautiful, right? But public transit, when we're outdoors, right? We get on our mountain bikes, we get on our snowboards, whatnot, and we plug in our earbuds, and we got music and conversations and podcasts at our, at our fingertips, right? We're constantly engaged, even when we sleep. White noise fans, anyone? Right, the app on your phone, babbling brooks. I like it when there's a few birds chirping in the background. Really peaceful, right? But even when we sleep, we have this audio stimulation going. And so the reality is, is that we listen 24-7. And so a couple of observations. Our lives have become soundtracks. Everywhere we go, we have our own personal playlist playing. It's amazing. It makes things that used to be so, like, dreary and tiring and annoying to, like, man, I got to listen to my music or a book or a podcast. This is amazing. I love it. Right? Errands have become exciting. The second observation is that spare moments have become opportunities to learn. Instead of sitting in in the waiting room, Right, and flipping through the magazine that you really don't want to read, right? Anyone else ever pick up like the pregnancy magazine and just maybe I'll find something in here, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't have to do that anymore. I get to pull out my phone and plug in Hyman and start listening to some food conversation, what I actually want to listen to. It's great. Opportunities to learn new information. The third reality, communication is so accessible. We already pointed out we can talk to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And it's beautiful. These are all good things, right? But what I want to look at this morning is how has this reality shaped us? How has it transformed how we interact? And there's four observations um, that I I feel like have come to my mind uh, through this process. The first is that we tend to choose noise over silence. The second is that we choose information over experience. We're more interested in the facts and the figures. Don't give me the story. I just need the information. We choose notifications over conversations, right? You go to lunch with a friend. First thing you do is you put your phones on the table, and then you spend most of lunch watching each other's phones for it to light up or ding or vibrate, right? And then it gets real bad when you're like, I can't resist it anymore, and you pick it up. You're like, we were here to talk. Fourth, we choose distraction over recognition, That might sound a little weird, but for me, this is the hurriedness, the busyness, the the crazy busy of our lives. It's kind of like driving 70, right, over the pass, and you look to the side, and instead of seeing individual trees, you just see a blur of green and brown. We're so hurriedly, busily distracted that we can't even recognize anything. Now, the temptation here is to simply say, well, then we should cut out music, podcasts, and phones, get rid of it all. That's where I go. I get extreme with stuff like this. Ask Lindsay. She'll tell you. Drives her crazy. She's like, Evan, you don't have to do that. 
But the temptation here, I think, is what James is referring to in, tw- in verse 21 when he says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So the temptation there is to take all of these things that we've just said are actually pretty good things and to cut them out, right? The moral evil, the filth, get rid of it and humbly accept the implanted word. I do think there's some truth there. I think there's a little wisdom in going, we ought to pay attention to what we're listening to. But I think the deeper question is, in all of our listening, what are we actually listening for? And I think this is what James is getting at when he says, humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. He's talking about Christ. Christ is the word of truth, the word planted in us. So if we're supposed to listen to the voice of Christ in all things, then the question is, how in the world do we learn to do that? Moving on in the chapter, verses 22 through 25. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not want to do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So apparently we should do what Christ says. We should follow what his word says. And there's a few key things I want to point out here. The first thing, to combat the noise. What if instead of choosing the noise, we were willing to embrace the silence? Psalm 46.10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be. God is being exalted in our midst. That's not the question. The question is, are we being still and silent and are we able to actually hear and receive that reality? So apparently embracing silence looks like practicing silence. Actually taking a few minutes during our day This is radical, I know, but what if we just took a few minutes and we paused, literally hit pause. Stop the noise, stop talking, breathe, listen. And you're like, Evan, I can't do that. My life is so crazy busy. There is no way I can do that. And I would say, I think you can. I think there's hope in the midst of our crazy busy lives. And I think it looks as easy as when we pull up to our destination and we're sitting in the parking lot and we quickly open the door and we get ready to go do what we're doing. What if instead of doing that, we simply turned off the car, turned off the radio and just sat 30 seconds. You wanna get real extreme, go like two minutes. It's amazing how soundproof cars are. Just sit and receive that gift of stillness and silence. How about instead of the five minute break at the office, instead of pulling up YouTube and looking for the latest meme, funny cat video or movie trailer, guilty, um, 
what if we were to take five minutes and just go sit outside? It's amazing. Most of our businesses that we work at, they have these things called benches, and they're usually under the shade of a tree. Real peaceful setting. What if we just went and sat for a few minutes, received the silence? And then you're going, yeah, Evan, that's great. I work from home, and I have three kids. Totally, I get it. How about this? We all have bathrooms. <laughs> Sometimes the call of nature is a gift, right? You just got to receive it. Be willing to go in there, even if you don't have to go, right? Shut the door. Maybe it's not silent, but you know what? At least it's still. And the chaos is outside the door. So practice stillness. Second thing, I think we need to replace information with experience. Instead of just looking for the facts and the figures, what if we were willing to embrace the story and allow ourselves to be caught up in it? I think this is part of what Jesus is inviting us to in John 14 when he's getting ready to depart and leave his disciples. He says, guys, don't worry. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The reality is the Spirit is present with us and is teaching us all things or trying to teach us all things and also trying to remind us of the voice of Christ. The question isn't, is the Spirit there? The question is, are we listening? Are we paying attention? And you're like, yeah, Evan, that sounds real churchy. Listen to the voice of the Spirit. Um, and I'm with you, right? Right? I don't just run around going like I'm listening for the voice of the Spirit. But the gift of that is that Jesus tells us what the voice of the Spirit actually sounds like. In Galatians 5, Paul says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the reality is we need to practice what it looks like to experience the Spirit. We need to be willing to be caught up in the story that is our own lives, that the Spirit is in the midst of and teaching us through, and we need to pay attention to and look for the fruit. The Spirit looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So when we pray... Instead of five minutes of talking, which I think is good, we should pour out our hearts to God, but maybe give yourself a few minutes of listening. Maybe look back on the last just chunk of your life. Maybe it's the last couple hours, maybe it's the last couple of days and go, where has the fruit of the Spirit been present in my own story? And how can I experience that and receive that as good? When we open our Bibles, instead of reading them and trying to mine them for information, what if we listened to them? Until recently, we haven't even been able to read the Bible. That's a, that's a modern privilege. For most of history, people received the word of God orally, through oral tradition, through hearing the stories read over them. It's part of the reason we do scripture reading, because if the sermon's bad, at least you got the scripture read over you. It's a gift. Do we receive that to just sit and listen? So maybe read it aloud. Maybe get together and instead of trying to study it, maybe read it to each other. Maybe instead of listening to the latest podcasts, listen to the book of John. 
when we gather as the church, as the body, whether it's here, whether it's in home communities, whether it's at the grocery store, the reality is the spirit of God is present there with us. And instead of the usual interaction of, hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Okay, now I'm gonna awkwardly try to figure out how to get on my way, because I'm busy. What if we actually started asking each other why? Just one word, why? Why are you good? Why are you broken? Why are you elated? And then we actually listen to each other and we listen for the presence of Christ in our stories and we celebrate and affirm that. How about when we recreate, recreate, right? Bend Oregon, play for life. We're constantly outdoors. The reality is creation is God's first revelation. The first thing he does in Genesis is create the world and everything in it and pronounces it good and then gives it to us as a gift and says, here, take care of this. It's good. And so we do, we go out in it and we recreate and we play and we run and we bike and we ski and we paddleboard and we do all the things. Are we listening for the voice of the spirit in the midst of it? Are we trying to see the good, the joy, the peace, the gentleness? Are we able to receive it? So we need to learn to replace information with experience. Thirdly, we need to learn to be present. Romans 15 says this, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. I think what Paul's saying here is that conversations and interactions with people are not meant to be pleasing to you. It's not all about you. What if we could be good news to our neighbor simply by listening to them? By knowing that we are in Christ and therefore we are strong. We are secure. We know who we are. We know where our sustenance comes from. And so we have the opportunity to receive our friends, our families, our neighbors, strangers. To be good news to them just by being willing to be present with them. So we need to practice presence which starts with pull out the earbuds, right? Put the phone on silent and put it away. Like don't even put it in your pocket because it'll vibrate or ding or something. Put it away. I'm really guilty of that. Drives me crazy. But what if we were actually present with society when we go and move about Bend, Oregon and Central Oregon? What if instead of seeing people as objects, as obstacles or distractions, what if we saw them as subjects? Not like slaves, right? But what if we saw them as stories to be known? One of my best friends has this saying, he says, I've never read a book more interesting than a person. It's beautiful, I love it. But the reality is, is that when God created humanity, he placed his image on us. And he said, you go and bear my image. And so the reality is, is all of humanity is bearing the image of God. The question is, do we see it? Are we aware of it? Our coworkers, our neighbors, the gas station attendant, the person bagging our groceries, the waitress. The voice of Christ is coming through all of them. The question is, are we listening? Do we hear and receive it? We need to be present with our spouses. What if instead of looking for our marriages to make us happy, or what if instead of just trying to get through this life together, 
just try to manage the chaos of kids? What if we actually created space in our marriages to actually sit and be present to one another? To ask, how are you? And to actually listen and listen for Christ in the story that is our spouse. Marriage is the most intimate relationship available to humanity. There's a reason it's a covenant and a promise that we make till death do us part. It's supposed to be so that it's the safest place to be known. I believe that's the gift that God gives us through the covenant of marriage of saying, promise each other that regardless of how bad it gets or how good it gets, you will stay together and you will allow each other to see Christ in the other. Right, because marriage is beautiful and amazing and messy and broken and raw and unedited. And it's a window into the image of God. So let's be present with our spouses. Finally, let's be present with our children. Right, what if instead of being so focused on discipline and teaching and shaping and raising up and keeping alive, right? (laughs) just keeping them alive half the time. What if we were willing to just be present with our kids? To sit down at their level, to listen to their stories. There's so much we can learn from them. They know how to suck the marrow out of life. They enjoy every moment. They can make fun out of anything. They're so joyful. They love learning. They ask why. A thousand times a day, our daughter Emma just turned four and oh my gosh, she is amazing at asking why. And I have to work so hard to continue to receive it and not squash it. But what if we flipped that around? What if we became parents who started asking our kids why? What if we were interested in their stories? What if we were interested in what Christ is doing in and through them? We need to learn to be present with our children. So what if this were true? What if we actually heard the voice of Christ in every circumstance, in every interaction, in every conversation? I think the reality is is that we would become people who recognize Christ in all things. John says Christ is in all things. The question isn't is he there? The question is do we hear his voice and do we receive him? Richard Rohr has a quote that I absolutely love, and he says this, Christ is the light that allows people to see things in their fullness. The precise and intended effect of such a light is to see Christ everywhere else. In fact, that is my only definition of a true Christian. A mature Christian sees Christ in everything and everyone else. What if this life is not about working hard to try to avoid sin? What if this life is about hearing and recognizing Christ in all things? I think the reality, if if we are able to become those kinds of people who hear the voice of Christ in all of life, I think we become people who are incredibly quick to listen. I would so much rather hear the voice of Christ in your story, in this circumstance, in that podcast, then start speaking and hear my own voice. I think we become people who crave hearing the voice of Christ in the midst of our lives, who become, in essence, Christ-soaked, saturated, 
with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And so our speech in turn, then we, when we do decide to speak, what comes out is truth in love. We become people who when we hear and recognize the voice of Christ, we celebrate it and we affirm it. And we say, man, that looks gentle. That was so faithful. That was so good. Man, how are you that patient with your kids? That was beautiful. We become people who constantly recognize Christ. And then when we speak, what comes out is affirmation of his presence in the midst of all of life. And then what, what happens to our anger? It becomes really hard to get angry. Think about it. If we're people who are constantly focused on seeing and celebrating the goodness that Christ is in the presence of all that we do, if we're people who are about constantly celebrating the fruits of the Spirit, how do we get angry? Or better yet, why do we get angry? I believe that we get angry when we see things getting in the way of the voice of Christ. We become people who begin to wrap our lives around seeing and experiencing that reality and anything that gets in the way of that, we become people who stand up and fight for justice, who fight for the reality that God is bringing heaven to earth. We stand up for love, for joy, for peace, for patience. We get angry at what God gets angry at. I believe we become people like Paul describes in Philippians 4. I've always wondered what these people are like. But in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We become people who are able to rejoice in the midst of trials. We become people who are able to see the good, to see the presence of Christ in the midst of the most brutal and painful circumstances. We become people who are not optimistic about the world, but actually have hope. Why? Because we serve and love a God who is not afraid of this world but loves this world and is actually present, woven into the fabric of all of it and is there patiently waiting for us to recognize and receive him. That's how we learn to receive trials and tests as pure joy, to recognize that in the midst of it, Christ is present and he's there, inviting us to sit with him. So this morning as we come to the table, to one of the places that Christ promises to meet us, to this means of grace. I have a question that I would love for us to ponder. Maybe take a few minutes before we come to the table and think about this. 
Is there one place in life that God is inviting me to be silent and present to the reality of Christ? Is it a particular place? Is it a particular person? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Maybe it's your Bible. Maybe it's your family. Where is God inviting us to be silent and to be present to the reality that he is there in the midst of all of it? So this morning, the invitation is to come. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the juice, and then I would invite you, before you eat, to pause. Take just a moment and be silent before God and listen for his voice. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you are in all things, that you are present to our realities, that you do not leave us, that you are constant, that your love is faithful, that you are good, that you give us joy. May we be people who crave that, who crave your voice. May we be people who see and celebrate your reality in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit. Amen.